and welcome to this latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Lucy Chamberlain. And me, Saul Walker. Now that autumn is making itself known to us, it seems a natural time to reflect on times past and look forward to new ventures ahead. So, with that in mind, we'd like to give a nod to these recent few months by simultaneously embracing what lies in front of us, both practically and at our respective gardens, and by assessing how this exciting industry that we've decided to devote our professional lives to is evolving and thriving. So many of us are showing this sector's true grit by quietly propagating new stock, dreaming up fresh initiatives, looking to new ways of working and generally supporting the trade. And our aim via this podcast is to muse on developments and showcase these horticultural heroes. We'll bring you two short 20-minute episodes each week, plus a longer bonus monthly interview. What more of a reason do you need to join us on this journey? Let's once again step into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Good evening, Lucy. And can I say welcome everyone to this Talking Heads podcast? You know, we never say that. We always lead in with hello, Lucy. We never say hello to everyone listening. So hello. Hello, everyone listening. Hello to you. and Thank you for tuning in to the Talking Heads podcast podcast get a bit of branding in there exactly very well said well it's autumn (laughs) we're in full we're in full flow it's october um we're looking forward to shorter day well i'm i tell you what i'm not looking forward to these shorter days no you said off off record that you weren't you're not you don't we don't really like this kind of year because i get i get home so late from solon's about six and then when it goes dark at seven that's it isn't it that's a the day's gone in some ways. That's when you hunker down, get your fire alight, get a cup of cocoa on the go, get a nice book on your lap. That's true. Get the dog on your lap. That's what's going to be happening down in Fingerinhoe. Be lovely. We <laughs> don't want to discuss what's going on in Fingerinhoe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I don't know what you mean. Don't know what you mean. <laughs> but um, there's lots still to do in the garden, and it, it mostly focuses on getting the garden. Now, I don't know if any if you were listening to this from the first episode, you might remember us actually talking about putting the garden to bed. Do you remember that? To bed. I know what I do and I know what you're gonna say. That's yeah. that's got that's fifty five episodes ago and we still remember what we said in the first episode. So um How sad are we? <laughs> if you haven't listened to the first episode, you better start again. You've got the whole winter to listen to one to fifty, sixty episodes. Yeah. But, we, we, we did say that the garden really never goes to bed, but there are jobs to do now to prepare the garden for the winter. There is a dormant period. So I think we can we can say that the garden does have a dormant period. If we've, if we've got a slight aversion to say we're putting it to bed because we know that things carry on going and they tick over. There is, in our temperate climate, there is a dormant period where the winter comes along and so there is a period where everything gets very slow exactly so in, we can't notice anything moving we think nothing's happening yeah exactly does, that, does that, that sit with you better than put, putting things to bed that suits, suits me better great um but now we are thinking about getting the garden ready for that slow period so, uh, but the the one thing uh that we are doing and i've i've definitely done in the last uh, couple of days mm. is i've started planting my garlic because that is a nice thing to think about 
you're planting something for the future. So it, it feels like you're doing something positive. Yeah. Because a lot of things happening in the veg garden at the moment are negative, i.e. we're cutting everything out or we're taking out all the old squash vines or the tomatoes are starting to come down and stuff like that. But mm. um, planting a bulb of garlic feels very a very positive action. And I thought we'd just have a couple of minutes just talking about our maybe our favourite garlic, what we like planting, how we plant it. I know, but you know, I don't grow garlic at the moment because my husband has a delicate tummy which can't tolerate garlic. And um, this was a revelation for me that I the, know, the you're... veg and fruit <laughs> queen of the podcast world does not grow garlic. I grew up pre-marriage when I was when I was this young, free and single. I used to grow <laughs> loads of garlic. So... Pre-marriage, when you were when you were eligible, I know garlic was the thing. Yep, exactly. You find me down the pub on Friday night, clutching my garlic. So, but no, the, and the the hall owners again, they don't eat garlic. So I sadly have not been able to grow garlic myself on mass in the kitchen garden, which I would have loved to have done. I say I have grown it in the past, and I I absolutely love it. I um I once had a, a friend come round, and I I fed them, I made some garlic bread, and I used fresh freshly harvested cloves of garlic whilst they were still quite wet and it was when I was still getting to grips with garlic and I hadn't realized quite how pungent it was and he still reminds me every time I see him now he reminds me of how potent and fumy that garlic bread was it actually burnt our mouths with how intense the flavor was it was it was lively that's all I'll say so, so what variety was that? Was that a, a, a soft neck? Or I can't a hard even remember. Oh, it was decades ago. It was decades ago. Because the so. hard necks are quite pungent, aren't they? It that's, probably was. That, yeah. That's one of the key differences between the two. And obviously, the other difference is the the in terms of how you can store them. The soft necks are storing garlics, while the hard necks you'd have to use quite quickly, or they they tend to they tend to go soft quite quickly. The thing to remember is, is the the name hard neck refers to there being a hard flowering spike um, being pushed through the centre of the clove, which means that the storage potential of... It's like when you have an onion that's bolted, the storage potential of um, hard neck garlics is very limited. But soft necks don't have that tendency to produce the flower or the scape, as they call it in the garlic trade. And, and so those soft neck varieties have got much more potential to store and longevity. Um, so so that's, yeah, if, you, if you're thinking, why, what's the hard neck and the soft neck? That's essentially it. And, and that's why it has a repercussion with their storage potential. So that's what it's all about. And it's a shame because the hard necks are probably the most flavoursome of the garlic. I, mm. I grew um, one this year called, um, was it Red Baron or was it Red Robin? It was one of the two anyway. But it was, oh, I tell you what, it that was a, because I love, gar- I, I I will eat raw garlic if I could. What? Um, I, put, I put in whole garlic <laughs> bulbs into our roast <laughs> just so that I can suck out the uh, the tasty flesh. But um, but I really like these hard neck varieties, but yeah. they, they don't last too long in, in, in the in storage. So you have to eat them very quickly. Whereas your, your soft necks uh, store, can store up to a year. And the classics are things like your early purple whites. Mm-hmm. and, and or, or There's lots of whites out there. Oh, there's loads of whites because of the Isle of Wight. The yeah. Isle of Wight is a big is a big centre for um, garlic. I think it's got a good growing environment, hasn't it, the Isle of Wight? Because it's got that maritime climate. And, and although saying that garlic doesn't really need... Um, it's deceptive because we all have this obviously this impression that that garlic is more of a Mediterranean um, crop and so we think we can't grow it in the UK but actually we definitely can and and as you're suggesting as you say you know autumn planting is the perfect time if you want really decent sized cloves of garlic go for autumn planting because it's got a longer growing season it bulks up more so you, you then get a higher yield because of it um, and 
yeah, they like a, an open, like leeks and onions do, you know, they like an open sunny spot. Garlic will get rust uh, and it will do that very much if it's in a sheltered kind of like stagnant area. So you've got to think about things like that. But it actually, garlic isn't in the ground for very long come the spring. It's actually quite handy to have crops jump in its grave because mm, you're lifting yeah. it, you're lifting it in say... Um, June going into July for just depending on the variety and then you can get a crop of easily of you know of carrots in there or chard or something like that afterwards so um yeah it's it's an interesting growing cycle isn't it but yeah definitely if you want large large cloves then plant in the autumn and also um planting those large the large individual cloves gives a gives a greater head size as well and the little ones you can um pot up into a container and have them as garlic chives so you don't waste anything, but just select the big ones for planting in the ground and keep the little ones for aside for, like I say, either use them in the kitchen or, or plant them as garlic garlic chives. So they are. There's one job for you to do this yeah. weekend. And I will say, if you're going to go and get garlic, go to the specialist nurseries because they've got loads of varieties where you can try all different ones. But mm. a lot of people do try and grow garlic from the supermarkets. Now, what the, one of the problems with the bulbs is that they are generally actually imported uh, from other places. Yeah. And there tend to be varieties that are used in certain climates that don't match our climates so mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and actually, exactly. they won't do so well in the ground. But the ones you'll get from the specialist nurseries are UK-grown bulbs which will match our climate and they'll do so much better. So it's worth going out to go and get those varieties from, you know, your usual seed supplier. Um, I get mine from King's Seeds. They do a great variety of, of bulbs, but there's lots of really good suppliers out yeah. there. Yeah, well, like the Isle of Wight Garlic Farm, you know, they will do mail order e- easily. Uh, that's the one great thing with garlic. So, and they have a, a, a fantastic selection. So do 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 look at them. So we were also going to talk, weren't we, not just about planting garlic, because I think even you and I might struggle to make that last 24 minutes. <laughs> Although I did challenge you and you, were, you, you said no. So I've had to kind of sit in my corner. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's lots of other jobs jobs that can be completed during the autumn and um so we're going to run through those very quickly now so if you're head gardener on the state you might be nodding your head in agreement going oh yes yeah we've just been doing that this week or if you're sitting at home you might think okay hang on this is my jobs to do for the week moment when we, a la monty on garden as well when he gives you that, that five minutes at the end so basically so let's run through the key jobs in 10 minutes of uh, an autumn estate yeah well the the, we- the one i've been doing a lot recently is mulching um i know a lot of people think about mulching in spring but actually getting mulching in now is great uh, especially mm. on whether it's your veg gardens at the moment i'm mostly mulching our tree circles getting all of those prepared for the winter it's great to get ahead of time but also if you get a mulch down now it works its way into the soil quite well during the autumn and winter and the early spring and you'll find that having a good mulch really nourishes the soil before the main growing season starts um so mm. i'm one um for really getting the mulch down reasonably early um i know not a lot of people think about it until the the spring in some ways and in some ways that's as growth starts and i find that quite tricky because you've got to be very careful very delicate with putting mulch around new plants and things but actually at this time of year when we're actually clearing a lot of way um it's actually an ideal time to start putting oh yeah uh, a good mulch down and you we, we we know sadly we know that uh the myth that weed stop growing in the winter is is 
is that it's a myth so i i'm i'm so with you on that because the the, the ground at east Island hall is just like a seed bed it's it's a lovely sandy loamy soil and it's it holds its warmth for quite a long time and we are mulching um in the autumn always as well because it stops that flush of weeds coming through um and also you know that we have had some um, some moisture in Essex, and it's important to lock that into the soil. Um, one thing to bear in mind with any mulching is if whatever the soil is doing as you mulch, it's going to stay doing it. So if it's bone dry, I mean, I know we have had a you know very prolonged period of, of, of drought in Essex, but it's it's now getting the soil moisture levels are getting higher again. But if you put mulch over dry soil, that's not great. If you put a mulch over a frozen soil, again, that actually will keep the, the soil more frozen because yeah. the mulch is an insulator. So as you say, you want to either do it in the autumn or, and I, I would agree, you know, ideally in the autumn or if you if not, in the spring, but don't be mulching in the winter. And I know I'd definitely say mulch your veg gardens in the autumn because hmm. by the time you get to the spring and you're forming your seed beds, the mulch has worked its way into the soil and you get such a lovely texture of soil to really get that perfect tilth to to, yeah. to to put seeds in if you mulch in the spring and you're trying to form a seed bed i find it's almost oh, well it's, it's really difficult because yeah. the mulch is a different consistency to the soil and it just turns yeah. out lumpy and it doesn't look so good yeah. so ideal time to mulch your veg garden is as you're clearing crops get a good mulch down maybe use a cover crop mm -hmm. if you want to but, you know, it's it's ideal to do it in autumn. We should also talk about lawns because the autumn is a, a prime mm. time for sprucing up your lawn. Uh, it's gone through the summer. It's probably seared off a little bit here and there. The moss might have poked through uh, if we've had some if you if you've had lots of autumn rains and you're thinking, oh, goodness me, there's not much grass left here now. So so this is the time to seize the day and uh, reclaim your lawn and make it look beautiful and verdant again. Yeah. And again, gra grass and it's surprising. I have to tell my apprentice this: grass grows within a specific temperature bounds, and it's on the cool. Yeah. It's on the cool yeah. side. I think people are amazed. That's why in spring and autumn, grass always looks so much greener and verdant and lush. And that's why it's an ideal mm. time, both of those seasons, to actually get your lawn repair in. And again, it's a job that I like to do in autumn because there's so much going on in spring that I tend to forget to do lawn repair in spring because I'm so busy playing around with the flower borders, trying to sort out bulbs, all the kinds of things you do in spring. So it's ideal to get yeah. your scarification or your aeration done, mm -hmm. any over-sowing you need yep. to do. Get it, get it done now. What, it may have been a few cool nights we've had, but the temperatures are still there for grass to germinate and grow away quite well. We'll be mowing at Stonelands well into December almost. So grass is definitely, definitely growing. And uh, because... In summer, the grass always looks a bit browner, but in the winter, it always looks greener. So having it repaired then, actually, the lawn looks a lot nicer going through the winter and into the spring rather than doing it in yeah, the spring. Right. And then the grass going all, you know, brown when the temperatures rise. So I always think it's better in autumn because it's got a longer time to establish. So definitely uh, a good time for lawn repairs. And then talk about lawns and the classic mm -hmm. thing that happens in autumn is leaf fall. We get a lot of leaf <laughs> fall. Uh, oh, just a bit, just a little bit at the we've moment. We've got some huge goodness. oak trees at, at uh, Stoneland, so we get a lot of leaf. And I, I know that there's a lot of different opinions on clearing up leaves um, and mm. a lot of different ways. I know there's a, there's a big brigade out there who don't like leaf blowers. If you've ever 
garden a 16 acre or 100 acre garden and you've got trees the leaf blower is your absolute friend so i'm never going to say anything against leaf blower only when someone's blowing a few leaves on the pavement are they not necessary but when it comes to lawns you you really do have to get the leaves off off the lawn because you'd be surprised with even just leaving a big pile of leaves there for a week to two weeks how much damage yeah it's again it's the inverse of what i just said about repairing lawns Mm. if you if you damage your lawn uh, in autumn that can stay there for quite a long time yeah. and i find leaves can be the worst thing yeah well leaves the there's there's um you have to read leaves and you have to jump in and act um accordingly because if it's windy weather and the leaves fall and they're dry and they're actually moving around get in there quick and pick them up because as soon as it rains they will stick together they will not want to yeah, come up horrible. and they are an absolute swine yeah. so you know, for our, don't leave it till. I, for us, I, I at the hall, we 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 manage leaves by picking them up literally every throughout November. It will be every few days. You know, because once yeah. that layer builds up, and then like I say, if you get heavy, you know, a dew or you know that time of year, a dank November day, and it all just clags together. Oh, it's just awful. But if you can get it so that either the mower can pick them up, or as you say, you get the leaf blow or the rakes on there. We've got a massive big lime avenue up the main driveway of the hall. It's 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 huge it's a good six i don't know 50 meters long at least uh flanked either side by lime trees and um those leaves make amazing leaf mold you know don't waste them for any, for anything mm. at all but do if they're dry and moving around that's your time to pick them up and do it quickly before because they will fall in abundance they really will now what other things are we thinking well I'm, i was just talking about you mentioned about things falling down from trees we had a shocker the other week, we've got this massive, big specimen horse chestnut, and we have had um, it's it's been in um, regression. I think is the term, isn't it? For it's been in regression for for, for uh, as long as I've been there, so probably a good decade. It's been dying back and, and regressing back, and you know how they sucker up from the base, and you can tell that the trees yeah. on the wane, um, and we can see bracket fungi popping out from it. But we t- we have a tree surgeon come on site and assess the trees, and he was reassuring us that it was it was not too much of an issue but we all knew that something was going on so in the the windy weather we've had quite a few um gales in essex in um the latter part of the of the the, the summer and autumn and and there was one storm that just finished it off a whacking great big limb fell down and it was i mean thank goodness it didn't fall on any buildings or any people you know that was it was a time when luckily there was no one in the garden so that was fine but it yeah, it was a, a, a could have been a horrible moment. Thankfully, it wasn't. The tree surgeon was called in straight away because we needed to make sure the rest of the tree was structurally safe. And we, we decided that we'd probably got a week or so to to get the the thing uh, completely taken down because you could see that the woods had um, decayed quite a lot once that limb was was out, and it was at least two foot diameter at the base. It was massive. Um, so we decided that the the decay was too severe. The whole tree has been taken out. But but just to say that, you know, if you do get storm damage, and I know that's quite a drastic example because the whole tree had to be taken away and stumped ground out, and now we're going to reseed over the area where it's it's been left. If you have any storm damage, um, do try to remedy it with your tree as soon as you possibly can because any snagged wounds, you know, when we get the the winter dank and wet conditions, you get leaves gathering in cavities, they can rot down, they can cause further decay. So don't procrastinate on that kind of job. It does really need addressing as soon as you can. And it's really essential to get clean cuts because mm. the cleaner the cut, the the better the tree will 
repair itself. And that's what you want to do. You want to give the tree every chance to repair any cuts itself. If you leave a branch with a jagged wound, you're like you say, you're just inviting all kinds of problems. So get up and clean you know a clean cut where any wounds were Mm. um and talking of winds uh which is gonna always comes in autumn and early winter it's a good time to start thinking about your roses as well and this is a this is something i've been very guilty of in the past of thinking oh that's not a job that needs doing that's not jobs that needs doing and then suddenly a gale comes through i I go back to stonelands (laughs) or whatever and a rose has come off the wall or there's loads of broken stems everywhere and i just you know i go don't, I, and I think, why so, didn't I just do that? I, have, I tell you what, I am guilty of that too. Because we, we're just optimistic folk. That's what it is. We're like, well, do you know what? Yeah. It'll be fine. And then, as you say, yeah. something happens. And, and you... Th- and you think, oh, it's not, it's just a small, it's just a small uh, growth. It's not, nothing's <laughs> going to happen. But it is really worth getting up and just shortening. Even if you just go and shorten all of those long, whippy growths, mm. um, it'll just do the, it'll do wonders to, to stopping damage occurring on your roses. And the worst thing you want to happen is, is a rose coming completely off the wall, because trust me, that is a job for three or four people to try and get a massive rose back onto a wall. Yeah. Um, you know, the amount of times I've gone, well, I just, I'm just not going to do this. And I just have, I've had to take a rose right back mm. to let it regrow. And I just wish I'd gone up there, shortened the growth. And also, uh, it's also worth checking your ties, making sure the string is strong. Also making sure that uh, any um, um, anchors on the wall. So if you've got wires on the wall or trellis, just making sure that's strong as well, because you'll be surprised how much damage it can do to the fabric of your house as well. Mm. So it's really worth checking and, and doing it now before the winds start because nothing is worse than when you're in the middle of a gale and you're up a ladder trying to hold on to a rose yeah the others are on the phone to you going anywhere. <laughs> they, it's a exactly... sunday afternoon you're just about to sit down watch yeah. watch a nice bit of film and then they own this phone up saying ah oh, um lucy's all oh, there's something something's happening at the hall <laughs> yeah i know yeah, it's yeah. always and it always yeah. happens that way always happens that way so so essentially what we're saying to you guys out there is that um plenty to be doing in the autumn and we'll we will visit this topic again in the winter i'm sure because as Mm, there is so much to be done people often say to us about this quiet this mythical quiet time of year uh, there's no such thing for a head gardener we are busy busy folk we've reached the end of today's episode and we sincerely hope that you found it informative and entertaining if you'd like to leave us a review via your podcast provider, we'd be delighted to know your thoughts. While many aspects of the garden year are behind us, there are still plenty of horticultural milestones to mark, so Saul and myself are eager to bring you yet more valuable episodes of the Talking Heads podcast. We're also keen to visit those iconic gardens, large and small, of our peers and friends. With this in mind, you can look forward to an autumn packed full of interviews, road trips, practical advice, and of course, mine and Lucy's opinions on all manner of wide-ranging horticultural topics. We want to ensure that our listeners are kept up to date with what any self-respecting head gardener needs to know. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye!